Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tennis Channel Inside In on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels from the Santa Monica Studios, delighted to bring you the first episode of 2023. We hope you had a happy new year and we're ready to get the ball rolling on an Aussie summer for the ages as tennis has resumed down under. Jason Goodall and Chanda Rubin joined today's show to break down all the action, starting on both the men's and women's sides, as well as some storylines and subplots going in to the run-up in the eventual Australian Open. Jason Goodall, Chanda Rubin on today's show. Let's get into it. All right, ready to go here on the start of Tennis Channel Inside In season. Uh, the tennis season is back. Jason Goodall here, one of the esteemed members of the broadcasting community. Always a treat to listen to you call matches. Jason, thanks for joining the show. Uh, such a fun time. The short off season has ended. We're ready to start tennis, and we have a lot to talk about. We certainly do, don't we? Thanks for having me, and uh, Happy New Year. It doesn't seem like there's much of an off season, does it? The train just keeps on rolling. It really does. Uh, we're, we're focusing on the men's side, and there's just so many different storylines to talk about. There's so much good energy in the game. I keep coming back to it. You have the old guard, the old faces that are still hanging on. A lot of young players are pushing at the top. We, we were kind of preparing for this moment for a lot, maybe for a couple generations, but I really do feel like we're here, and this is going to be just starting in January, literally at, this, at the top of the game. There's so much to talk about. We've been so fortunate, haven't we, to be able to watch tennis of this caliber in this era with three of the greatest players of all time in Roger, Rafa, and Novak. And, of course, on the women's side, you've got the likes of uh, Serena and Venus. And we always kind of worried when they were going to come to the end of their careers, what the new guard would look like, how, how would they stack up, how good would they be. And I think now we're really starting to see them believe that they can win majors, that they are good enough to be able to beat the likes of Rafa and Novak. And yet you've got those two that are still <laughs> yeah. kind of hanging on and still the men to beat. Yeah. So it's absolutely perfect. All this young energy that you've rightly referenced, yeah. taking on the old guard, yeah. it's perfect. Did you feel like watching the ATP finals and that visual that sticks out in my mind is the uh, ATP tour did a great job getting them all to sit together? Seeing Rafa and Novak as the old guys, it's like, man, how quick did this go by? I know, and, and it's been such a joy to watch, hasn't it? Yeah. And it really has. It's been, what, 15 years where yeah. these guys have been utterly dominant. And we've had a long list of players that we've thought, okay, is this guy ready to challenge? Is this guy ready to challenge? And they haven't been up to the task. And that's, that's not because they weren't great players. They were, but it's just because you've got three of the greatest players of all time to be playing in the same era. But now, with Roger retiring... And with Rafa still having mm -hmm. a lot of injury problems, mm -hmm. you know, still winning when he's fit or relatively fit, but hasn't been fully fit for a yeah. long time now. Still some question marks there. He's lost a, his last few matches. Novak, still very much the man to yeah. beat as far as I'm concerned. 35, but he's got the body of like a 28-year-old, you know, so yeah. he could play for a long, long time, I think. And he's still a man to beat. But the young guns, the likes of Carlos Alcaraz, those players, yeah. Holger Rune, played so well <laughs> towards the tail end of the last season. Yannick Sinner, I think they're going to really, really push this season. I want to get to Rafa in a second, but Novak Djokovic, equally understandably the man to beat down in the Australian environment for sure. He's won his first two matches, 31 straight on the surface. The numbers are just outstanding, 49-2 and two in his last 51. Like, it's just insane. You look at a guy like that, before we get into the other things and the, the weighted expectations and pressure, why do you think he does so well at this time of year in Australia? Do you think it's a combination of the fitness of his body, of the fact that he can jump right into big-time tennis? He's so comfortable down there. What do you think it is that kind of propels him to be so well in this specific setting? Well, I think at this stage of his career, it's definitely that comfort factor, isn't it? And when any player returns to the scene of former triumphs and he has been virtually unbeatable on Rod Laver Arena mm. in, in Melbourne, then you're always going to feel good about your game, and you're also going to have this aura of invincibility, which he undoubtedly has at most events, but definitely down there in Melbourne. But then secondly, I think he's one of these guys that takes 
the so-called off-season very seriously, always looking after his body, never out of shape. So when he does start the new season, he's always ready to hit the ground running. Yeah. And especially this season off the back of last year because he wasn't able to play a full season because of the COVID restrictions. And I think that's a huge benefit for him. Mm. So he was fresher towards the tail end of last year. I think that's one of the reasons why his numbers have stacked up mm -hmm. so well since Roland Garros. And I think that's given him a huge advantage at the start of this season. Completely agree on that last point. You know, when are you ever going to have time to preserve your health and maybe work on some stuff? Like he used that break to his advantage, if you want to call it that. I mean, the pressure being he had to perform so well at these results, and he did. The fact that he finished top five with not playing many tournaments is just outstanding. I watched that match last night against uh, Hallas, the kid he was playing, and played well, two tie breaks. But what did we see? We saw five all in the, in the second set tie break. We saw him get the mini break, and we saw him play a big point, cool, to the percentages. He does not really feel those moments of pressure that are just so common in the game. So comfort, I, I agree. I think that's that's what it starts with, the fact that he's done so well and that he could, I mean, tennis is such a weird sport, right, Jason? Like starting with a championship right away, very few can adapt the way he does in any sporting environment. That's what's so unique about the tennis calendar. I think you're two weeks into January and we've got the start of the first major. Yeah. So it is unique in that regard because all of the players, the men and the women, have so little time to build up confidence. So a lot does depend, I think, on how well you've finished yeah. the previous season, how fresh you are, what kind of off-season you've had, what kind of shape is your body in? Have you picked up any niggly injuries? Have you been able to perform well yeah. in the first couple of weeks of the season? That's why the results in the United Cup are, are so crucial. You know, mm -hmm. if you're on that team and you do make it through to the final four and you do make it through and perhaps win the competition yeah. or play in the final, you've played... For those guys at the top of the game, pretty much the right amount of matches. You know, if you happen to lose early or you, you're not in the United Cup and you, like Felix Auger-Eliassime, loses first round in Adelaide, what does he do now? Mm. Does he now add another tournament? Does he play an XO? A few question marks, which you yeah. don't want going into the first major of the yeah. season. So I think we, it's absolutely right that we look at these results early on in the season, perhaps more so than at any other time in the year, perhaps uh, other than on the grass going into Wimbledon because you've only got that three-week right. period off the back of the clay. Right, and, and I, just to kind of put a bow on the Djokovic discussion, everything that went down last year is in the rear view. We don't need to relitigate it, but his ability to stay positive and to be so process-oriented is what I think he's admitted has carried him through this. It's a lot to deal with for anybody, but the fact that he is relying on positivity is what I think is going to propel him for success this year because it's easy to get bogged down by everything that happened and, you know, the trauma that went down. But I think he is going to be, you know, more focused than most because of how he approaches tennis and life, really. Well, he spoke about it, didn't he? Yeah. He said it was very traumatic, and he said it will stay with him for the rest of his days. I mean, no one can imagine being put in that mm -hmm. scenario and having to deal with that, not knowing from one minute to the next whether you were going to be allowed to play, whether you weren't, whether you were going to be deported, whether you were yeah. ever going to be able to play in Australia again, uh -huh. your happiest hunting ground. So I think he's used it as fuel, and I think his mindset is so positive. And you've seen the support that he's had already in Adelaide. You know, the fans yeah. are out there en masse, really getting behind him. I mm. think he'll get a lot of support in Melbourne, and, and I think it's only added <laughs> fuel to his fire. This is shaping up. I don't want to make any bold predictions, but <laughs> this is shaping up to be a pretty good year for him. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Rafael Nadal, the other member of the big three that's, you know, Roger retired, Nadal, the defending champ. He's lost a couple matches early. We can get into the results and the specifics. Cam Norrie, tremendous player, as you know, Wimbledon semifinalist. Alex Dimonar was a guy who's been flirting with the top ten for a while. These were the first times they ever beat him, though. They were battles, three sets. Rafa had the injury issues, doesn't look completely right. Also, we've known kind of revs back up, takes time to get back into form. What do you make of his two losses to these players at this stage as he's getting ready to defend his title? I think you've got to expand that to the losses that he suffered at the tail end of last season as well. So if you have a look at his, his last half a dozen matches, he's struggled. He hasn't mm -hmm. played well. Uh, for much of last season, off the back of getting injured in Indian Wells, he was playing with injury. Uh, first it was the pec, I think, and or the rib, and then it was the stomach. He's had to fine-tune his service motion. His second serve is not as reliable as it once was. So whenever you throw a spanner like that into the works, it does affect your mindset and your psyche under pressure. Does Nadal know that he's going to be able to serve <laughs> as well as he needs to against the very best players mm -hmm. in the world? Is he 
thinking, even if it's just in the very mm. back of his mind about the stomach. Mm. Are there any issues? Has he had to lower the ball toss? Has he had to um, hit more slice on that second serve than throwing it over his head, extending, putting more pressure on the stomach and being able to hit topspin, higher yeah. margin, more double faults? So we've seen that. It's something that he's having to deal with. Mm-hmm. And therefore, I think this is a, a really testing start to the new season yeah. for Nadal. Remember, he didn't lose till uh, Indian Wells last season, yeah. right? And he came into the start of 2022 not really knowing what his form was going to be like mm-hmm. either because he'd only played the one event since the summer in Washington where, mm-hmm. again, he w- was injured. Uh, lots of uh, issues with his longstanding injury to his foot, which seems to have healed. They seem to have found a way to care for that, but he's got other injury woes. So yeah. I think it's difficult. I, I think he's one of these guys that likes to play a lot, likes to have confidence, and he gains that confidence from time on the match court and wins under his belt. And he's struggling at the moment, but he still has time. He can still play enough, just as he did in 2022, prior to the start of the Aussie Open. These guys, Rafa, Novak, mm-hmm. so good, even if they're not in good form at the start of a major, yeah. they can be in good enough form right. initially to win, get through to the second week, peak at the tail end of the championships, and still win it. I uh, I really did like his quote where he said, you know, I need hours on court. I need these battles. It shows you that he's committed to the long haul. Uh, frequent guest on this show, friend of the program, Amy Wendy, wrote an article about what you mentioned, the service issues. And they're not major issues, but you can tell the contact point is a little off. The percentages are a little down. And it just shows you how, how slim the margins are at this level. He's just a little off. It might... As you said, it might be injury-related. It might be mental with him. Even the most confident athletes in the world kind of struggle with, am I 100%? Am I in form? He'll always get the benefit of the doubt. That's it. Until he's beaten in these majors, he's always going to be a contender. His will to win is outstanding. But it's safe to say that while credit to Demon Hour and Cam Norrie, Rafa does not quite look 100%. And it's also fair to wonder, will he get there in time to defend this title? Yeah, you have to respect his history and the mm-hmm. caliber of player mm-hmm. he is. So if he is fully fit, you have to mm-hmm. suggest that he will. Mm-hmm. He understands that process. He's done it before, yeah. and that means he can do it again. But you're right. At that level, the 1% here, the 1% there in any aspect of your game makes a big yeah. difference. And all of a sudden now, when Rafa's losing matches from a setup against these guys, great players though they are, Locker room starts to feel, okay, not invincible. We can do something here. We're in with a shout. That changes the whole dynamic. But that can change very quickly too. If Rafa gets on a roll, suddenly wins a tournament prior to going into the Australian Open, then he's the defending champion, right? Right. So you have to give him the greatest of respect. But it's a slightly different dynamic for him now. Last year was one of the better years that I can remember a pro having that Nadal had at his age, at his stage in the career. But as you mentioned... It wasn't like he rolled everybody. There were so many close moments where he rolled himself there. So the margins weren't, you know, astronomical to begin with. I'm fascinated to see how this turns out because you never count him out. But the players, as we mentioned, are rising up and it's very, very fun. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Uh, Jason Goodall here on Tennis Channel Inside In. Let's just talk about some of these other players and how they've looked and what their you know form is like going in to this Australian summer. And uh, I got to give a shout out to another veteran, Stan Wawrinka, starting out strong, thirty-eight years old coming up, but yet still looking like he's you know not going to go out quietly into the night. None of them want to do that. Yeah. Andy Murray's still competing really hard, and and that's so great. It just shows you what a great sport tennis is. That if you do look after your body, and you know Murray and Vavrinka have been through the ringer in terms of serious injury yeah. and coming back from serious surgery, and yet still they have this desire to get out there on the match court, yeah. mix it with these young guns, yeah. and try and get the better of them. And long may it continue. That the sport is in such good hands with yeah. these great champions still being involved whilst the youngsters yeah. still try and mix it with them as well. I was a fan of his start to the year. I think, you know, have being fit, the first thing for him, knowing what the calendar is like, get, being ready to, you know, maximize your effort. The, the one guy that I think stood out to me outside of the big names that I wanted to get your take on is Matteo Berrettini mm-hmm. because I think he just has kind of been forgotten a little ways. 
there's been so much young talent stepping up. This was somebody that made a Wimbledon final that I think has a chance to get back there. And if you watch him play, you realize he's not a specialist at all. His serve is elite. His forehand's elite. He's gotten healthy again. And I think that was what was missing last year, just kind of stuck in that injury rut. But he looks like he is a legit contender. A couple of big wins yeah. early on in the season, and that was crucial for him to kind of rebuild his confidence at the very elite yeah. level. And I couldn't agree more. If you take Novak out of the equation, you can't. But if you take him out of the equation at Wimbledon, who's next on the list in terms of grass court records over the last few seasons? Berrettini's right up there. So, you know, getting yeah. COVID mm-hmm. prior to the start of the championships, that was a mm-hmm. big hit for him. Mm-hmm. And then just not being able to get fully mm-hmm. fit throughout the season, couldn't build up any kind of momentum. Yeah, And you're absolutely right. The serve and the forehand are huge weapons and are world-class shots. Where he struggles is on the return of serve. Yeah, And I was watching his game closely last year, and I think he has to make an adjustment. He stands well up the court, but he doesn't look to run around the backhand to hit the forehand. He, he tends to just be happy enough hitting a backhand return. It's not a quality shot. Mm-hmm. Then it's very easy for the best players in the world to outmaneuver him from the back of the court. You cannot break his serve on grass. It's like so difficult. Yeah, you know, yeah. First serve points one, second serve points one. You can't even find his backhand when he's serving. But... He doesn't break serve enough yeah. at the elite level. So I think he needs to think about that, perhaps change his return position, at least do something a little differently every now and then within matches, and then allow himself the opportunity to use his forehand more when returning yeah. as opposed to serving. But I think it's great for our game. He, he's such a charismatic character. He's huge. Tennis is massive in Italy because of the success that yeah. he's had. That's important for us. <laughs> Good-looking dude. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's great, right? So yeah. we need him fit. We need him healthy. We yeah. need him beating top 10 players. It's been a while since he's had a couple of wins against top 10 opposition. So right. that's nice in the United Cup for him to get off to such a yeah. confident start. So that bodes well. Beat Hubie, beat Casper Rude. And as you mentioned, I can't go to an airport that has a Hugo Boss store and not <laughs> see him staring at me in the window. So good for the game for sure. The other guy that I, it's kind of crazy to say this, but also not really talked about as much, but the finalist last year, Daniil Medvedev, you know, everything that went down, he lost that way he did to Nadal. He's lost, he lost to Kyrgios a few times. We asked questions because the expectations got crazy high. He's looked pretty good to start, and more importantly, looked healthy. He had the abductor injury, too, at the end of last year. He does things on the tennis court that nobody else really does, and I think if he's healthy, he's another, hey, don't forget about me contender to add to the mix. Isn't it amazing the difference that, I'm going to reference a match losing to Nadal in the final of the Australian Open, but it was literally a couple of points, wasn't it? Yeah, 15-40. Yes, swung the match. At that stage, he's looking like he's going to win in straight sets. Mm. He's back-to-back majors, having been unbeatable at the U.S. Open. And at that stage, no one was mm. close to living with him on a hard court. Mm. Close to living with him. Novak was serving and volleying against him, trying to work out yeah. ways in which to have a chance of winning towards the tail end of the previous season. All of a sudden, he loses that match, uh, and something in his mindset changed. He didn't play as well thereafter. He had a couple of niggly injuries, had the hernia operation, didn't he, earlier in the season? Yeah. And uh, then all the political issues, uh, so wasn't able to play at the championships. Uh, that disrupts your rhythm throughout the season as well. Yeah. But, you know, he closes out that match in straight sets against Nadal. We're, we're talking how many majors? You know, can he do the calendar slam this year? Right. You know, how is he going to be able to play on the clay? Can he take the, the hard court form onto the clay and perform better? He was so good on a hard court. But then it all changed off the back of that remarkable victory by Rafa Nadal in the final. But I think having said all of that... Again, gone through a very difficult season for so many reasons. You still have to have him right up there. And at the moment, he's behind Djokovic for me at the okay. moment, in, ahead of Nadal because of his injury ahead problems, of, yeah. because of his recent form. And on a hard court, he, he's so difficult. There's no holes in his game. Yeah. So, you know, if his confidence is back to where it was or almost where it was and he continues to perform as well as he yeah. has at the start of this season, you know, he's going to be very, very difficult to beat. You know, we mentioned jokingly how short the offseason was, but just being able to, you know, mentally ch- turn the page after last year. He doesn't win that match. He's not allowed to play in Wimbledon. All the injuries. Suddenly, Kyrgios beats him, sits a pass who he'd owned, beats him a few times, and then, you know, confidence is fragile in this game. And, you know, he's someone that, that thrives on playing on matches and repetition, and I think having him back. And that, that's a good point you raised, because I think I would agree. He's behind Djokovic. If we do tears to this, 
where Alcaraz, who's coming in as the number one player in the world, Sitsipas, are there levels to, I guess, your contender tiers going into Australia? Yes, and you have to respect the likes of Djokovic and Nadal for all that they've achieved in the yes. game. They understand what's required to win multiple majors in a season for over a decade. <laughs> so they have to have the greatest respect. Then you've got the likes of Medvedev who have proved over the last few years mm -hmm. that they are good enough yep. to beat the likes of Djokovic mm -hmm. and Nadal and win majors. Mm -hmm. So you have to respect them. Then I think just behind is somebody like Alcaraz who, I mean, what a sensational year he enjoyed last year. And he has the ability to beat anybody on any given day over five sets. Yeah. Proved that at the US Open. I mean, I, I, I cannot get enough of the guy. Love watching him play. Love the attitude, yeah. love the quality of his tennis, the firepower, and the joy he brings to the process of winning matches. Yeah. But we don't know how he's going to perform this season. We don't know if he has it in him to be able to do it year in, year mm -hmm. out. Is he going to be one of these guys that wins 10, 15 majors? Is he not? Is he going to be a guy that you know bursts onto the scene, right. star shines mm -hmm. brightly, but then you know, struggles to come to terms with the adjustment of mm -hmm. being the best player in the world, being the guy to beat. I don't think that's going to be the case, but we don't know, so we have yeah. no proof. So I think that's why, for me, he's just behind, and yet, get a few matches under his belly, starts playing well. He's so <laughs> difficult to it. beat, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, and there's a, a troubling stat of players in their second major after they won their first, even for the big three, by the way. They did not do well right away following that. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. How he defends the title, I would put Medvedev in that tier. you got to include guys like Sitsipas, who's played well in addition, has had some mental hiccups down the road. Kyrgios is the other one because home slam, finished the year great. Unfortunately, didn't get the Wimbledon ranking points, but he's not going to play a match leading up to the tournament. So now it's a question of, and we know he can just show up onto a court and look good, but is that going to be detrimental to his chances at Aussie that he's out of the United Cup, out of Adelaide, and going to be playing his first match of the year in the Australian Open. Curious is the outsider, isn't he? he he's the guy. In every sense. Yes. And, and for everybody else, when you look down the rankings, you would say they have to have played before the Aussie Open. They have to have built up some confidence. They, they have to have done this. They have to have done that. Curious, you throw all that out of the window. He can pitch up. He's so confident in his own ability. Playing in Australia, memories of winning the doubles there last year, yeah. how well he played at Wimbledon. He can pitch up and play well enough now with the belief of made, having made the Wimbledon final that he can win that tournament. So much depends on the draw. Much depends on how the body will hold up. That was always the downside for Nick when he was yeah. playing best of five sets in a major. He'd play well for a match or two. The body would break down because he wasn't playing enough tennis regularly, mm -hmm. and especially during the pandemic, and he wasn't competing in enough tournaments throughout the season. So that changed last year. Mindset's great with his girlfriend. He seems to be in a really good place emotionally, which is so crucial for yeah. him. He's had the opportunity to spend a bit of time at home as well. So that's nice. So all of these aspects now are starting to look like, yes, this means that Kyrgios has a chance of winning his home slam. But he could also go out there, be tested in his first match, go five sets, pull up injured, uh -huh. and be out. And that wouldn't surprise anybody. Certainly wouldn't surprise me. So again, he's, he's the outlier. He's the guy that we just don't know how he's going to be able to perform. He can flip his lid from one moment to the next. So much depends on the draw, how, how much he's tested early on in the championships. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if we were talking about a championship match and it involved him. Seven matches is just such, seven best of five matches is such a mental test as much as physical too. So you want to see him. He is box office. He deserves every you know ounce of praise in that regard. But it's hard to win a tennis major. I keep coming back to that. It's why so few guys have done it even being well-conditioned and in shape. So we'll see. It's another it's another added enigma to the Nick Kyrgios legend. And especially your home slam. So it's one thing winning the doubles. That was all uh, hit and giggle, wasn't it? Yeah, and yeah. that's great. But it's another now with this added yeah. weight of expectation, all of the Aus Australian press, all of the, yeah. the tennis community, the sporting community. You know, he transcends our sport. Everybody in Australia will yeah. have eyes on Nick Kyrgios believing he yeah. can win it. Anything less than that will be a disappointment. <laughs> and he doesn't like main court. He wants no. to play on the, on the side court. So, and I know. so it's, it's yeah. a very different scenario for him than it was at Wimbledon. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles it. Certainly will. Well, Jason Goodall, this has been a blast. I have to end it with this because, you know, the last time you were on this show, we, we had a little back and forth about the British-American men's tennis. <laughs> and we're still, we're still waiting on that slam. But it was a great year for the American men last year. Uh, I'm hoping that, you know, the Fritz-Tiapo charge can lead 
Uh, Corda got the win over Murray in his first match. The depth of the American pool is there. While also acknowledging that the British side, you've got some players coming up. Love Drac Draper, even though he lost. But mm-hmm. I think our respective uh, countries, nationalities there have uh, made some waves and are starting to kind of keep it going. We've both got depth. I think yeah. that's what's so nice. You know, you look at our United Cup team and you've got Norrie, you've got Evans, you've got Draper. It was the Murray, first time ever we had four guys ranked inside the world's top 50 off the back of the U.S. Open. First time we had those guys into the third round or the fourth round of the U.S. Open, you know, so uh, three guys rather. Mm -hmm. So it was really, really good. Um, And I think with Draper, you've got somebody who believes that he belongs at the top of the game. So I expect big things from Draper. He was ranked outside the world's top 260 at the start of 2022. It's easy to forget that, how well he played throughout the year. Now locked inside the world's, you know, top 40, really good player. So, um, but as far as the Americans are concerned, big steps last season. Fritz, Mm -hmm. I mean, absolutely huge. All started in Indian Wells, but he backed it up beautifully. His competitive instincts are so impressive. He's one of the few guys that on any given day, even if he's playing terribly, he will scrap and fight and find a way to win more often than Mm -hmm. not. And so if Tiafo can take a leaf out of his book in that regard, that will help because uh, he certainly took it up two or three notches last Mm -hmm. year at the U.S. Open, and in big matches, we know how well he likes to be front and center, how well he's able to perform against the very best players in the world. But what was so nice at the U.S. Open was he has the big win over Rafa, then he backs it up nicely against Rublev, and then he plays so well against Alcaraz. And again, as far as our sport's concerned, to have somebody like Tiafo transcend that sport and get so many more eyes on tennis that wouldn't normally do so is so important. And then we've almost kind of forgot about the likes of Korda because he's very quietly been yeah. making slow and steady progress, but Fritz and Tiafo achieved so much in, in different ways last mm-hmm. year that it's so nice to have players like Corda and all of the other players like Giron that have just mm-hmm. you know, quietly again started to win more yeah. and more matches week in, week out. So I think you've got a bunch of guys now that are really pushing each other. The key is now to make a breakthrough at a major. You know, that's where Fritz struggled historically. Mm-hmm. That was a big breakthrough getting through to the fourth round for the first time in Australia this time last year. Then the big push at Wimbledon, but again, disappointing. Should have beaten Rafa. So again, that's something that he will mm-hmm. want to try and prove. Tiafo's done it on the, the major stages. Now can he do it week in, week out, get the ranking a little higher, start winning big tournaments, and then possibly knock on the door of a major. Between Fritz, Tiafo, Tommy Paul, three career highs for Americans last year. So there's some optimism, to say the least. Uh, Jason Goodall, this is a blast. We could do this all day. I know you're a busy man calling matches tonight. Got us excited for the tennis season. Can't wait to do this again. Thanks so much for coming on Tennis Channel Inside In. Really appreciate talking with you. Thanks so much. It's, uh, it's been a blast, as always. Um, love to come along anytime. It's so positive, isn't it, at the start yeah. of a new tennis season. There's so many <laughs> things to look forward to. First major just around the corner. Can't wait. I'm ultra hyped already it's like week one this is great the vibes are good no one's let us down yet we're riding high uh jason goodall thanks so much for coming on the show thank you huge thanks to jason goodall he's one of the premier broadcasters in the sport really in the entire sports broadcasting industry i'm delighted he was able to take some time from his top-notch match calling have to have him back on soon to see where the storylines and the subplots go on the men's side but always a blast to talk to jason a standard for broadcasting in this industry. And now, speaking of some broadcasting legends, Chander Rubin, former top 10 player, joining the show. It's been a while since we chatted as well, but we have a lot to discuss on the women's side. We talk about the United Cup, such a great idea to get the men and the women playing together, as well as who we like going forward into the run-up to the Australian Open. It's Chander Rubin now on Tennis Channel Inside In. All right now joining us on Tennis Channel Inside In 2023 wouldn't start off properly without Chanda Rubin joining the show. Chanda, it's always a blast to talk to you. It's been a few months, but thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, I love coming back and chatting it up and looking forward to doing it again. 2023 already here and uh, a lot of uh, positive things to talk about. I, I do want to offer first up the condolences and everything going on with Martina with what she's battling mm-hmm. through, uh, a team member here, but we know that she's a fighter and she's going to just battle her way through this. So Absolutely. And I mean, that's one thing we all know. Anybody who's ever been around Martina mm-hmm. has spent any considerable time talking to her. She's such a positive force 
And, you know, she's a realist, but she also knows when it's time to just get down, accept <laughs> the reality and battle. And she's been one of the best at it her entire life. So we're all pulling for our uh, Tennis Channel colleague and uh, Martina, uh, the, the tennis season on that regard starting. And I, I wanted to, you know, Aussie summer, amazing time. No other sport where you just jump right into just a battle like this, where it's like, okay, week one, there's a major in a couple weeks, get into shape. That's so right. you really do see how important, how crucial that short off season is, who's been working and who maybe has been slacking. And, you know, it's also so important, you know, the players that are able to go into that off season healthy, because as you mentioned, it's such a short time period, you know, when January hits really this year, it was before January <laughs> 1st where, you know, things got going when that time period hits, it goes so fast and you have so little time, you know, to get in full match shape. So mm -hmm. being healthy, being able to practice and train, it's such an advantage uh, for these players. When you were in that position, did you look at the off season like really structured? Like I know it's like okay, vacation for a bit, you know, unplug. But when you started the off season, were there just certain aspects you worked on? Was it all fitness? What was your kind of approach to everything? You know, when I had the opportunity to kind of start you know, healthy. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were a number right. of off seasons where that was really the main struggle was getting healthy, you know, coming from a surgery or something major and just trying to build in whatever way I could with that in mind. When I started the off season, having, you know, played those final tournaments, feeling good, feeling healthy, you know, you look to take a week or two off of just hitting balls, mm -hmm. maybe, <laughs> but you try to keep the, the training up and yeah. just the, the basic sort of everyday stuff, you know, basic cardios, keep your win because it's so difficult to get that back even two weeks it feels like you've got to then do yeah. four weeks to make up for it so I think for me it was always about maintaining a baseline you know kind of you know cutting back on the hitting balls and then building back depending on how much time I had on the back end those six weeks going into the new season for me was critical well this match repetition and there's really no substitute for it which is why I want to get into this next topic the United Cup it's a great concept for a lot of reasons we can start with the fact that it's providing match play opportunities for so many different players in so many different countries and also expanding upon the fact that it's just great to see the guys and the girls in a co-ed environment that, that actually does have some stakes to it too. Absolutely. I mean, I think first and foremost, having the men and women playing together, I mean, those are our biggest events over the course of the year is mm -hmm. when, you know, the men and women are vying for these big titles, you know, prize money, yeah. points, the whole nine. So I think that first and foremost really elevated the United Cup and made us want to be a part of it, to watch it and to see kind of who stepped up in these situations in this team format. And then, of course, there's stuff on the line, and I think that's always important. You want live matches. You want mm -hmm. it to mean something. You want it to count for something, whether it's points, whether it's money. You know, it's the, the crowd and the fans. You're also, you know, playing for your pride and, and all of those things, yeah, too. Yeah. And so I think that matters, and the, the sum total, you know, everything together has made it a really terrific event. I, uh, I look at, you know, the semifinals are, are Greece, Italy, Poland, and the USA at the time of this uh, recording. I also want to just caution everybody. It's going to be hard to top this year's event. We have had number one and number three in the world in women playing in this event. So they, they hit it out of the park in terms of how that worked out. I look at it, too, from the, the countries that might not have the higher-ranked players. What an opportunity it is for them to represent their country and play meaningful matches was watching that Keys Katie Swan match. I was like, this is a chance for for Swan and some of these players from countries that don't have the top end talent right now to really mix it up with the best in the world. So it's creating opportunities. Yeah, I think that is also, you know, really an important aspect of it for so many of these players that we've been seeing. I mean, I was looking at, you know, one of the Greek players, I think Sakleritis mm -hmm. is how you say his name, and he got a, a win, and it was like everything to him. Yeah. And, of course, you know, he's helped his team get to this, you know, um, get to the Final Four. So all yeah. of that is so meaningful. Norway, a few players that, you know, I would see on a – occasion playing you know lower level events their mm -hmm. names um, but to have them be in in a situation where they're playing you know top 50 mm -hmm. you know top 40 30 ranked players I mean that those are opportunities and experiences you can't buy you can't yeah. get them on the practice court and to test yourself and to be in this group format I mean it's so much that's positive about it and Sitsipas literally had tears in his eyes yeah. when him and Sakari won their mixed doubles match and mixed doubles too like it's always good to see that event now playing for your country 
the stakes are great. Um, it, it's been fun to see. It's been really good. The coaches have been well, too. I think Tim Hemmons going to be a motivational speaker now. <laughs> he's been very verbal yeah. on the bench. I mean, maybe yeah. he's been the one mainly <laughs> mic'd as well, yeah, but it's true. been fun to, to listen to him get into it. As we kind of look <laughs> at the women's game, I think you have to obviously start with Iga. She hits the ground running again. And just she's never not locked in. I think that's what I appreciate the most is she is fully engaged regardless of the event, regardless of the stakes, doesn't rest on any laurels. Okay, I was the number one player last year. That's last year. She's coming with this clear approach. And, I mean, I, I wouldn't envy the players that have the task of trying to beat her. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been uh, pretty special to watch Iga Sviantek kind of assume the mantle of the best player, you know, in, in the women's game. Yeah. You know, to step into those shoes on the sort of immediate retirement of Ash Barty. It really didn't take that long for Sviantek, you know, to, to rise to the occasion Indian Wells was really where I remember her, you know, completely setting herself apart, kind of starting along that pathway. Indian Wells last year, 2022. So I think, you know, for for Sviantek, it's been less than a year and she is still so motivated. You know, that is part of what has made her such a great player. It's part of if you've, you know, played in these different eras, watch these different eras, you know, the players at the top, yeah. they didn't take weeks off. When they were playing, they were bringing their a game they were putting it all out there they maybe didn't play their best every week no mm-hmm. one can but they found ways to win even when they were a little bit off and we're seeing a lot of that in Iga Sviantek it's perfectly said I was watching the match against Trevisan a, a scrappy player a fighter not going to back down Iga wasn't moving particularly well in that second set I don't want to say something was off or maybe the timing's off it goes without saying, her idol's Rafael Nadal. That was very Rafael-like. <laughs> I'm just going to find a way to get out of here in two sets. It might not be my best, but I will get through it. And and her game is just so complete in a lot of ways. Makes tonight's matchup with Pagula very uh, intriguing because Jesse, by all accounts, you know, has put in miles and miles of work, deserves to be the number three player in the world, which she is based on the results. This is that final step. It's like Coco Golf too. Like you've done so much, but to get to the very top, there's nowhere else to go. It's the hardest step for a reason. And Jesse last year, having gotten so close to major success, this is definitely going to be one she's going to get up for, and I can't wait to see it. I think these are the matches that motivate you when you get to the level that Pagula is at. She's now top five in the world. You know, like, okay, what's the next step? Mm-hmm. You know, shooting for you know the higher rankings, shooting for number one, shooting for major titles, while still just trying to get better overall. Uh, but I think this type of match where you can play and go toe-to-toe against a world number one, a player you've played before that you've had, you know – tough battle against I mean I remember the US Open 2022 and her coming up just a bit short in you know in those sets and maybe this moment Mm -hmm. just feeling like she's got a little more to bring in terms in terms of experience in terms of confidence I mean she's won a big title since then uh, Pagula has and so I think all of those things you know come into play and when you get these opportunities Mm -hmm. you just don't take them for granted and I I certainly think Pagula Jesse Pagula she's going to approach it with that in mind it's almost like and I don't want to you know put down the tournaments or the events themselves. Obviously, majors hold the most weight for, uh, for, for clear reasons. But when you get to this point, when you're Pagula, when you're Coco, when in the men's side, when you're playing Novak or, or Rafa, it's almost like it's not about the number next to your name. It's not about the stakes here. It's proving that you could beat the best. So getting a victory, if, if, if Jesse or Coco or any of these players, Anjibor, can beat Iga in a big tournament or any tournament, that's going to bode well for their confidence when they would have to get through them in a major as well. I think it does. And, you know, you want to win every match. And especially mm-hmm. when you start getting, yeah. you know, to, to those, you know, top levels at the top of the ranks. And it's you're there at that ranking because you approach every week yeah. with a level of consistency and a little, a level of motivation that helps you maintain you know, that ranking. And I certainly think that's where mm-hmm. Pagula is and a number of these, you know, other players. This is an opportunity. This is a match. It's a live match. Mm-hmm. It will be on record. It will set players up for the rest of the season, yeah. certainly for the Australian Open coming up in just over a week. I mean, there are so many reasons, you know, to be chomping at the bit, you know, to try to play as well as you can play and give yourself the best chance. That professional approach that's gotten a lot of these players there certainly worked for Coco. Um, watched that match last night against uh, Sophia Kennan. And while we expect Coco to churn in good results at this point, it was nice to see Kennan 
making some slow and steady strides. That was a, a solid, tight 6-4-6-4 match. So I'm glad to see Kennan kind of taking some steps. It's been a long road still going, but she looked a lot better than she had in recent memory. I think that's what you look for when you're trying to come back and you, you, or you haven't had as many matches, you're trying to build. It can be a frustrating kind of long process in your own mind because you want things you know to happen you know quicker. Mm-hmm. And I think for Kennan, it was a lot of positive she could take from that match. A little bit frustrating as well because she had some real opportunities, as you yeah. mentioned. That was yeah. a tight two-set match, and it could have gone either way, um, you know, especially with Kennan's ability to, to break and break back. Uh, you know, so I think there's positives to go along with whatever disappointments or frustrations she may be feeling. And that's what you want at this time of year. You want to give yourself something to build on yeah. so that you can continue that steady progress. The one thing that Kennan has that very few have is that she knows what it's like to be at the top of the mountain. So she kind of has that measuring stick. She's not chasing something that's unattainable. She's had it before. It's going to be hard to get back there, but she knows at least what that feeling is like. And she's done it. She's, you know, excelled at the you know biggest event, one of the biggest events under pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, she's put it on the line and she got it done. She showed herself that she can, um, you know, play some of her best tennis when it matters the Mm -hmm. most. And I think that's a feeling that is incredible for any player. It's one of those intangibles that can come out in any match, in any moment. And I think for Sophia Kennan, especially going back to Australia and having that opportunity, rounding, starting to find some form and rounding out her game, I mean, it could click from one match to the next. So that's the exciting part as well. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. More with Shanda Rubin here on Tennis Channel Insight, and a lot to talk about in terms of the start of the, the tennis season. It's It's been a joy to watch so far. Uh, unfortunately, there's been rain and weather elements, and one of the other things I've noticed, and, and I think it's pretty safe to say, you know, you won't name any names, but you might be able to figure out who, but some players just do it just better into dealing with delay, move inside, move outside, like all-day matches. And unfortunately, there's age, there's age that goes with that, how healthy you are, but... You know, battling the elements is part of the job. It's not a fun part, but as you know, it's just unfortunately one of those things. It has always been something that players have to deal with. You know, the the different elements that come into play, whether, you know, it's it's rain, it's storms, it could be a monsoon. I mean, stranger <laughs> things have happened. Yeah. And, you know, as a tennis player in this individual sport where matches are on a followed-by basis, you know that you're going to have some unexpected things happen that cause you to wait around maybe a little more than you expected, or yeah. they could go even quicker than you expected. And so you hopefully are ready to deal with anything. I think for the majority of players, you know, the physical aspects, along the mental side is probably the biggest thing. It's just yeah. keeping yourself in the right space, in the right place mentally but the physical side really comes into play when do you eat you know when do you kind of snack how do you keep yourself you know ready to compete when the rain stop or when it's time for you to go on court like that becomes a difficult part to gauge sometimes it's comes with more experience Mm -hmm. but sometimes as you get older you don't want all that waiting around (laughs) you don't want all that stopping and starting once you get warm those muscles (laughs) when they cool off they do not respond as well and so there are so many factors that come into play with trying to keep yourself in the right Right. place and space and ready to compete it's so true Uh, and somebody that's handled that well a veteran now on tour uh azarenka's start to the season has been just incredible that win over quinwin zhang i mean and that is an up-and-coming player Vika's not going away. Like, she's sticking around. She's going to be battling out there. Uh, And she told the fans that she couldn't give them a racket because she only has five for the Australian Open. So, a realist, too. That's not a whole lot of sticks. Where are the rest of the rackets? I wanted to ask you that. Like, that seems like she's traveling light. You have at least six. I mean, come on. And I I mean, nowadays, you know, sometimes seven or eight. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and I'm I'm putting Vika into a class of players that I won't count out because – Again, double major champion, former world number one, and someone that will battle. That if it's if plan A is not there, plan B is not there, she'll still find plan C. Yeah, I think she, as Arenka, 
is a great example of being able to win even when you've got a you're a little bit off and you've kind of got to go to got to go to plan B and you've got to battle and it's not that she will change her entire game it's just she will accept what's going on Mm -hmm. and she will compete and she'll make adjustments and find ways to win points and that is critical and it's not always something well understood because we can be trying and you know (laughs) wanting to win or we can be competing, which is finding ways to stay even, yeah. finding ways to win a point, you know, doing whatever you can in the middle of a mm-hmm. rally and and just staying toe to toe. That's competing. And at this level, I mean, everybody has the ability. Right. So yeah. it's who can handle those situations better. And I think for when you look at Victoria Azarenka, she has been one of those players that, you know, over the years, year after year, in spite of whatever is going on, you know, she's going to be there to do battle every single match. Starting out healthy is huge, too, for any player, especially a veteran who's had some injury issue, issues. A couple other players I wanted to mention, too. Unfortunate injury with Emma Raducanu yesterday, rolling her ankle in her match. She got one win before, unfortunately, having to retire in her second match. But, you know, the quote she made going into this tournament had me feeling more, I guess, upbeat about her. She wants people talking about her tennis again and, and focusing on the result and being very process-oriented. Hard to balance that when you've gotten as famous so quickly as she did. But you watch her game, you, you understand what's there. Like, the ingredients are still there. She's still very young. She still has all the tools to be at the top of the mountain again. Unfortunately, being healthy is one of those tools and just caught a bad break yesterday. I think that for Emma Raducanu is going to be the, the challenge is, you know, finding a way to stay healthy and, you know, to build the way she needs to build and just managing her body and herself physically. I mean, that is a test for any. Player, any young player that is kind of getting used to playing a full schedule, getting used to playing uh, at the highest levels, mm-hmm. week in and week out, figuring out when you know to take breaks and, and yeah. just how to build in the ways that you need to physically. I think she there's so much upside to her because you know she has relatively little experience compared to you know the field when you look at players who have won big tournaments. I mean, mm-hmm. she did so with so mm-hmm. little you know background that yeah. most players would have had by that point. So I think you that part, if she has the right mindset, which yeah. it sounds like she does, it sounds yeah. like she is staying more positive and she's looking at adjusting her thinking, um, and that's the first step. I think if, if she continues to approach it that way and can stay healthy, it's going to be fun to see what she does the rest of her career. You don't want to speculate, but it seems like it's just precautionary. I don't know what happened. Let's just rest and recover. doesn't seem to be too serious. Uh, the only thing I wish to see would be some stability on the team on the camp side. She's kind of shuffled through a couple different voices and coaches. We'll see what 2023 looks like, but I mean, the game is there. There isn't many weaknesses in what she can do. And I think uh, also the belief, mm-hmm. you know, a, a level of belief. I mean, yeah. certainly that gets that goes under attack every time you toss the yeah. balls up. Every week, every loss you take, uh-huh. it can be tough to maintain. But, you know, when you can win a major title the way she did, there's a, a bit of belief that's always there deep down that you can pull from. And, you know, when things start to turn around, you have that bit of an advantage. So I think for Emma Raducanu, um, you know, that is so much on the positive side. Well, the other thing I wanted to bring up, it's been over 28 years, but Venus Williams won another match since the debut of her first win. So 94, she wins a match. She's winning matches in 2023. That's, that's decades now we're talking. My bones <laughs> ache just thinking about the match she played the day before yeah. the, her first win. And yeah. then yesterday, uh, that was like That's, an all-day match. Yeah. It kept going and going, stops and starts, on and off the court. And she was still right there, up 5-3 yeah. in the third set. She served for it. And I was really hoping <laughs> yeah. that she would get it done to win back-to-back mm-hmm. matches um, for her at this stage. But she's another player that, you know, you feel like if she can get to maybe a little um, – bit of health you know Mm -hmm. being healthy for an extended period of time this year perhaps she could play her way into better and better form I mean she still has a skill set that is difficult to go up against for a lot of players and when you consider also her status as a legend understanding how to win in all kinds of situations there's some intangibles there so we'll see physically if if, you know she can keep some of this going into the Australian Open, it'll be fun and exciting to see her her compete. Just being on the court, loving the game, you, you see it. It's the only reason you play at this point with it's all the accolades be. that she gotta has. It's got to be. But I'm with <laughs> you. I think she kind of knows that she's 
you know, got that intimidation factor over some of these young players. And I, I don't blame her. That's what I would be doing, using that <laughs> I'm a legend to my advantage. Big time. And when you see Venus coming at you, coming into the <laughs> net, and she's got these long levers, long arms, long legs, yeah. and it's, it's still nothing, you know, to sneeze at, to have to contend with. So It's very scary, <laughs> uh, but we love seeing Venus back on the court. Uh, Chanda Rubin, this has been fun. The, the last thing I have for you on this show, you know, our, our friend of the program, TC Kali, who's still playing, you know, on Twitter, Chris Eubanks told his awful travel story about being stranded, like going through India, all this stuff, lost baggage. I don't know if you saw that, if you had any comments on that, but also if you had any bad travel stories from your days as a traveling tennis player. I haven't seen his full story. I, I kind of yeah. saw little bits of it, but it's I like mean, a it's, long thread. It's like delay. It's, it has it has all the hits that airlines have. You know, there have been some situations <laughs> I've really tried to forget about because it is so traumatic when you are you know traveling. This is your job. This is your yeah. livelihood. You've done all this training, all this preparation, and the things you cannot control are the things that really. Um, you know, get you in trouble. You're talking and, about and the most control, like oriented, you hope. like like exactly. maybe profession in the world. That you Tennis hope. players are so oriented on their details and the rituals. Yeah. And you hope your travel yeah. will be as as yeah. well. And especially, you know, yeah. not getting your bags. And that is just the most awful feeling when you don't have that. That's why most players still, you know, try to carry their, their rackets with them because some start mm -hmm. to check them in and then you lose those and you're stuck. It has been, I've had a few, um, you know, nightmare stories over the years, <laughs> but overall, when you consider the number of weeks that tennis players travel, surprisingly, it's not a high percentage. And I guess that's what we can hold on to. But when it happens, it is the worst. It's like, if you don't have your rackets, like, I don't want to say it's like yeah. feeling naked out there, but no, it's like, it's, that's an extension That's the of hardest yourself. thing. And your tennis shoes. And yeah. we don't think about that sometimes. So, But a lot of times I would carry my rackets and I'd put a pair of tennis shoes in, in my racket okay. bags just in case, just in case. something well. crazy happened. Yeah, not the great start, greatest start of the year for anyone. Chris got his stuff, though, so all is yeah. well now. But makes you think. Gives you some PTSD out there, too. It does. It's a trauma for real. <laughs> Chanda Rubin, always a pleasure. Can't wait to do this again soon. Thanks so much for coming on Tennis Channel Inside In. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. That's going to do it for the first episode of Tennis Channel Inside In of the new year. Thanks again to Jason Goodall and Chanda Rubin for appearing as guests. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. Reminder, you can catch the entire catalog of episodes on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Go to tennis.com slash podcast where you'll find this show page as well as all the other outstanding shows on our network. We're streaming on all your podcast platforms, whatever suits your fancy, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Google, to name a few. And we're back next week. We're going week in, week out in the lead up to the Australian Open. Lots more to discuss, lots more to digest. Great results coming forward. It's such a great time to be a sports fan and a tennis fan as well. My name is Mitch Michaels. Thanks again to Chandra Rubin and Jason Goodall. This was Tennis Channel Inside In. We'll see you next week.